In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua twenty four fifteen. Moses, the one who gave God's law to Israel, was not allowed to enter the promised land. Instead, a few weeks after his death, it was Joshua who led the people into the land. He gave the Israelites, those who had started the journey as children and had wandered with their grumbling parents in the wilderness, a choice. Either they could serve the gods of the Amorites or the Lord who had led them from captivity to freedom. They chose the Lord with Joshua and his household. This story is for us too. Do we choose the gods of us that our society worship or do we choose the Lord? The Lord is everywhere and the earth is his. Do we recognize that? Or do we choose to kick and scream against the world according to our desires? Rob Bell, author of Velvet Elvis, repainting the Christian faith, says God is everywhere, in everything. Can we sift from what we don't perceive as Christian and use it to enrich and enliven our faith, to deepen our neighborliness towards those who are different from us? Take a look. What is God doing today? As we marvel, can we reveal his presence to others who may not be as tuned in as we are? Are others unconsciously tuning us in with their laughter? Is nature causing lifts of rapture with her beauty, an owl hooting in the darkness of a morning, a hummingbird at the office window, a squirrel leaping through the air from rooftop to tree, a shower of rain? We're part of a bigger picture, God's picture. Are you smiling? Are you happy to be included? Are you privileged to be able to make the choice? As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. My guest this week is Nicole O'Dell, who has a new series of books out called Hot Buttons, about broaching awkward subjects with your impressionable teens like dating, the internet, drugs and more. I'll be touching on legal highs, and I'm not talking about coffee, raving about birds, musing on my return to church and jazz science, two of the mainstays of my existence, and putting the finishing touches on our cleaning frenzy. So it's time for 11s. It's get a drink and a well-deserved morning snack. Let's have a nice sit down for an hour while I share my view of the world with you. Well, we decided to take the bull by the horns and delay no longer a trip off to Mass at the church that had been our home for 13 years. Because of my hair, the first words I was greeted with were, I thought you were Madonna coming through that door. For goodness sake, what would Madonna be doing at church? And couldn't a more saintly comparison have been used to describe a faithful church member? Or am I getting above myself? 
Other reactions after church included, well, we wondered who Larry was with. Then we saw your smile. And absolutely blank stares as they tried to place me. I love being incognito while in full view. Most of our fellow worshippers, of which there were fewer than usual, welcomed us back. Our priest had already had lunch with us, but he didn't welcome us back in front of the congregation. Was that another unwarranted expectation on my part? There were no new people in the pews. That was a red flag. The struggle with unfamiliar hymns, especially with the early morning crowd, persisted, making us sound as though we were stumbling through the service for the first time. In general, the whole experience was very sterile and cold, and I came away wondering what I'd found so compelling for years. Yes, the liturgy was perfectly executed, but without the warmth we'd grown accustomed to at St. George's in London, there was nothing. God was there. But I couldn't hear him in the responses. I couldn't see him in the smiles or feel him in the hugs. It's time to find a new home, I think. But on the other hand, my return to jazzercise was fantabuloso. Happily, I was not disappointed. There were lots of new faces in with the old, and I realized why I loved it so much. Woo! Not that I'll be going every day with my yoga and my exercise bike at home, but I was glad that one of my old practices still held good. And I am happy to report that I think the house is finally back to our standard. My blue-eyed cowboy finished the outside of the windows this morning, and I can now see through the dazzling panes. It looks quite startling, actually. We cleaned our carpets, at least my Texan cleaned them. I helped move furniture. The water was disgusting when you threw it away, as you can imagine. And I would think that we would have to clean the carpets over and over again to get clear water. The house smells really fresh without air spray. And now we're going to see if the real estate agent who's been bugging us for years still wants to buy it or whether we'll have to do some work on it. And believe me, there's a lot of work that needs doing, which could be fun also. I really don't care either way. I'm not a great money spender. We went to Ikea, though, for a love seat and chair to put in the nest, which is now looking very cosy. And we watched a silly movie in there the other night because we both worked hard all day long and needed a break. In front of another screen? Well, yep. And it was great. So our own little private cinema as my blue-eyed cowboy said. Well, let's continue as I left off last week with the second of the three things that happened to change my life forever one summer. As I said, I may not have drawn up a budget to solve the mystery of how, when our two incomes were reduced to one, it was going to be shared with four children. But I did consider my image as a prospective stay-at-home mum and homeschooling with all its stereotypicalness hadn't even entered the equation. Spending more time with my children when they were at home was my vague priority at the moment. My encounter with a well-heeled stranger in a pile of Cheerios this particular afternoon at the gym was forgotten as I clambered into the child-laden van where my second son quickly informed me that the lady who had stepped into his baby sister's cereal pile was none other than the mother of his new best friend. Oh, I thought, typical... Why are manicured nails, perfect hair and matching designer shoes a far cry from the mother image I portray? I reassured myself with the thought that her youngest was the same age as my oldest and she probably had plenty of live-in help. I asked my son a question knowing he probably wouldn't have the answer. 
I wanted to know where she worked. This was of tantamount importance to me, having only recently removed myself from corporate America. My son surprised me by both ignoring my question and answering it for me in the same, at the same time. Joe is homeschooled, Mum. This vision of perfect motherhood was not only a stay-at-home mother then. She belonged to a group I had vivid stereotypical images of. I'd seen a few homeschoolers off in the distance. They all appeared to be earth mothers who wore no makeup, Birkenstocks matching or not, and long dresses to hide the sh- uh, blah, 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 to hide their unshaven legs. Their children were sickeningly obedient, mom and dad clones, incredibly dull because they were clever and went to university at 10 years old and couldn't hold a decent conversation with anyone outside their immediate, fundamentally isolated family. The old, the odd shoe of me warmed to Mrs. Wellheeled. She didn't fit my stereotype of homeschoolers and I wanted to find out more, which I did as we were thrown together by our son's friendship. Over the summer, I became enlightened and chastened with my preconceived notions of all things homeschooled. Not that I wanted to embrace this countercultural lifestyle for my family, more that I was fascinated by this woman who looked as though she'd stepped from the pages of a Neiman Marcus catalogue, wanting to not only stay at home with her children, but have them stay at home too, all day, every day, with her. Now that took a very special kind of woman. I learned that homeschooling at home was the best environment for one's children. I really didn't have much to say on this point. I was still happily looking forward to August and the back-to-school preparations. I had two girls in a gifted and talented academy, the cream of the public school system, where I reckoned no one could do a better job with their education than their well-trained teachers. We became hot-weather friends, and I discovered, despite her homeschooling handicap, we had a lot in common. They the well-heeled, alternatively-educated family, were different, and so were we, the odd shoot thrown together for the summer family. I and mine were already doing unconventional things like having home-cooked meals every day and sitting down at the table together as a family, recording favourite books on tape so that I didn't have to read the same old stories over and over again at bedtime, having at-home parties with games like Pin the Tail on the Donkey, Pass the Parcel, Musical Chairs, and Three-Legged Braces in the Back 40. My outlook on life was slowly being altered by my friend's homeschool philosophies, and we were edging our way into a new academic year, which meant public school time for our third born. I took a long, hard look at the well-heeled stranger I'd met at the gym and decided that just because we were friends, I didn't have to join her in her, her unusual lifestyle. I wasn't yet ready to trade my odd shoes for Birkenstocks. Here endeth thing two. Thing three... My oldest daughter failed a test. This incident was critical because my sanity as a stay-at-home mum hinged on all three and potentially four of my children attending the same school to make carpooling and PTA meetings convenient and less intrusive on my already threatened personal time. My oldest daughter was turning five in the summer and she was scheduled to take a test to allow her entrance into the good public school whose trail had already been blazed by her two older brothers. Oblivious to the consequences at the ripe old age of five, my daughter blithely failed the test and lived to see another day. She would have to go to the school down the road in the opposite direction and we, Hubs and I, didn't relish the thought of sending her to, to learn 
in a building that didn't house her two older brothers, Shades of Montessori days. After a quick conflab, we decided that I could throw caution to the wind and dabble my naked toes in the waters of home education, starting modestly with my oldest daughter. Spring had rolled around again. I still had a few months and a whole summer to go with my well-heeled mentor before making a final decision about my future as a housewife. How I felt as we prepared to go against the grain of conventional lifestyles and become pioneers among our own inner circle of family and friends really had no bearing on the final decision because here endeth thing three with God winning, game, set and match. And it looks as though I'm going to have to go on a quick break here, but I need to say that I hope you, my daughter in Corpus Christi, is feeling better today. She had to go to the emergency care clinic last night because she'd been throwing up all week and there was nobody to look after her because mum was here in Dallas and she was put on a brat diet of bananas, rice, applesauce and toast and give shop. Be back in about 90 seconds. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Thursday nights, get ready for the Read My Lips Tips for Success radio show with your host, Linnea Millat, at 11, 10 Central on Toginet.com. What are the Read My Lips Tips for Success? Well, it's spelled out like this. R, realize it is possible. E, embrace all relationships. A, advance through adversity. D, develop your significance. M, manage your health and wealth. Y, yield to your natural abilities. L, listen to your heart. I, invest in yourself. P, persist by taking small steps. And S, serve others. Each week on the show, you'll find a safe haven whereby tips, insights, and strategies are shared by Linnea and her guests. Go to Linnea's website, readmylipstips.com. Then join us Thursday nights at 11, 10 p.m. Central for the Read My Lips Tips for Success radio show with your host, Linnea Millette on toginet.com. Attention parents and teachers. Here is a series of alarming yet true facts about the current state of teaching reading in the United States. The federal government has spent close to half a trillion dollars to improve reading ability, and yet we still have over 8 million students who cannot read on grade level. 440,000 students who have a total reading vocabulary of 50 words or less, and a national dropout rate of one new student every 26 seconds. Sadly, one of these could be yours. Fortunately, it's not too late to help. Introducing The Reading Show with Dr. Joe, a fast-paced, highly informative, easy-to-listen-to show led by nationally recognized reading authority, Dr. Joe Lakovich. For more on Joe on the show, check out his website, failurefreeonline.com. Listen in this week to learn amazingly simple ways to turn this problem around. The Reading Show with Dr. Joe, with your host, Dr. Joe Lakovich, Fridays at 10 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. 
Well, my guest this week is Nicole O'Dell, host of Teen Talk and Parent Talk Radio, brought to Tokenet by Choose Now Radio. Nicole is hailed as a youth culture expert who writes and speaks to preteens, teenagers, and parents about how to prepare for life's tough choices. As well as being a wife and mother of six, including toddler triplets, Nicole has worked as a youth director, a Bible study leader for women and teens, and a counselor at a crisis pregnancy center. She's founder of Choose Now Ministries, which is dedicated to battling peer pressure and helping teens face tough issues and helping their parents guide and encourage them. Nicole and I are going to be talking about her new series of books, Hot Buttons, specifically dating the internet, drugs, and sexual. Hopefully, by the end of our chat, you'll have the tools you need or at least know where to find them to be able to handle tough issues with your tweens and teens before they pop up in real life. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you. It's so great to be here. Appreciate the opportunity to chat with you this morning. Well, thank you, Nicole. And I know you're real busy. You've already done two shows this morning. So, wow. Wow. Oh. And and um, uh, what I want I want to talk about hot buttons, but I also want to say you 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 know sort of are a cultural sort of teen expert, um, and I know that when I was a teenager, t- other teens scared me. So I really could not relate to other teens that were around me. And I came, I went to a very, very small school. And in my last two years of school, there were only six of us. So, I mean, we knew each other really well. But I'm talking about those teens kind of outside of my little comfort zone of teens. Mm. And so when I was an adult and then when I got married and started having children, I could not. I, I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to do once my children become teenagers, which they're all going to probably, you know, sort of all at the same time. I'm going to have these four teens running around in my house. But as they got older and as they became teens, I found that, you know, that it was fine. You know, they didn't really change from 12 to 13. And then the, the change was gradual throughout. But how did what what happened to make you feel really comfortable? around teens or do you did you feel comfortable or that you had a heart for them yeah you know it's it's funny to answer this but the truth is it's fear it was fear of just like you said um just imagining my teenagers or my kids becoming teens and i remembered what i was like as a teenager and how much of the struggles and the challenges i faced were born out of my own choices and preparation for those choices and not being aware of what was coming not being prepared for them and i just uh, it start like I said, it started off as fear and I just decided I needed to grab hold of that and figure out a way to confidently go into those teen years with my kids and then it grew into just wanting to reach out to other families struggling. Yeah. And I, I've noticed um, on some of your book reviews, people have said, oh, my goodness, if only I had had that book when I was a teenager, it would have changed mm. me. So Another thing that I'm thinking is I know what my four children are like, and I don't think they were so, I mean, they, they are very strong personalities and channeled in the right direction. That's fantastic. But if they get a little bee in their bonnet about something that isn't what I think is the right thing, right? they're impossible. And I just wonder how true is that? No matter how good a book is or a mentor or a youth leader is, if you're that strong-willed about something, do you think you really would have changed? It's all about harnessing that 
drive mm-hmm. and that motivation. A person can be strong-willed, but they just what needs to happen is the parent has to, um, in a, a crafty, wise way, channel that motivation that drives that intensity and turn it in the right direction. And in a lot of ways, it for some teenagers, it has to seem like their idea, mm-hmm. and then that becomes their you know their um, their goal, their personal drive instead of just obeying mom and dad, it becomes Mm -hmm. their own um, goal. Mm -hmm. And so that that drives us to another question of why don't a lot of parents think they have the control that they have been given by God in their house and with their children? Why don't they think they have that anymore? You know, even in the homeschooling community, I would have battles with parents, well, not really battles with parents, but my children always wore a helmet when they rode a bike, for example. Sure. And my friends would say to me, how did you get your child to do that? Right. There's no way. And I'm going, they don't ride the bike if they don't wear a helmet. So end of story. Right. And they couldn't do that. So as you go into these teenage years, you've got these parents who are scared of laying down the law. Why? Why, why is that happening? Well, there's two things. One is... Yes, there's that fear of upsetting their kids, of they think they're going to pull away, they're going to lose them. You know, that that is one motivating factor. But I think even more than that, it's a it's a time issue. It's a, um, I hesitate to say laziness, but there is a sense of that where parents have become so lazy. They just want to get through the day. So they allow things like, for example, you mentioned not wearing a bicycle helmet. It's an easier, it's easier not to battle those things. So they just lay down the reins. And when that happened at two years old, three years old, four years old, by the time those kids are teenagers, the parents don't have the control. You asked why they think they don't. The fact is they don't because they've given it up every step along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, they can get it back, but it takes a whole lot of intentional effort to retrain kids they've trained already. You know, they, mm-hmm. they're the ones who have taught the teenagers they're in control. So, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a lot of effort to backtrack and retrain even better to get it early and do it right from the beginning. But still, you know, even with parents of teenagers, they can, they can get it back. Yeah. Yeah. And parenting is hard work and yes. don't try and be a friend to your right. child. Right. Right. That is that is tragic. My daughter once um, was listening to a program with me, and she it was about this, you know, how parents can't be friends with their children. And she went, "Oh, that's so tough. I don't think I could not be a friend to my child." And I said, <laughs> "It is tough, but you know, she and I get on really, really well together, and we talk about a lot of things. But I am still mum." Yeah, and she is still my daughter. We haven't really crossed over into that. You do eventually, don't you, Nicole? I mean, when you're with your own children, perhaps you can become a friend with your child or your mum. Sure, when they're when they are grown and responsible for themselves and their own choices, the relationship takes a whole different tenor. But as a teenager, we're still in the training 
grounds yeah. of life. And, um, yeah, my, I get along with my children. I enjoy them. They enjoy me. My teenage daughter texted me yesterday from school and said, Oh, I just want to come home. I miss you, mom. Mm-hmm. This is a popular, fun, energetic, happy, beautiful teenage girl who still loves her mom. And yeah. that's an okay thing, but I'm definitely mom. I'm definitely not. Yeah. You know, yeah. one of those who runs around with their kids and uh, lets them do anything because they're afraid of, yeah. of being squeezed out. That's that's no way to parent. No, no. And then the, the child will respect that. I noticed that with my children, that if I if I lay down the law and they, you know, my one daughter said, well, it's my job, mom. You know, this is my job to battle against you and to disagree with you. But she'll go away and then she'll come back. Having, you know, sort of thought about what I've said and she'll, sure. she'll have done, you know, she'll have done what I suggested, but she, she can't do it without that little, that little rebellion, that little touch of rebellion. I'm thinking, well, you know, as you said, harnessed or channeled in the right way, she's, you know, she's going to do fine. Just Yeah. Let her think it's her <laughs> idea. And then it's, it's great. Yeah. yeah. So, um, let's get to these um hot button books this series that you're writing and um tell us a little bit about we're going to talk about the four you've had two published and you're getting two more ready to be published in october and those are the topics that i mentioned the the internet um dating um sexuality and drugs so um let's talk a little bit about how how might these books be a little bit different to other um, books that are out on, on the market sure. or are there other books out there even? Well, the goal of the Hot Button series and these first four you mentioned, um, you mentioned the titles and the next year we're releasing Bullying and Image and there will mm-hmm. be a mobile app that goes along with all of it. But the goal of the whole series is to turn parents and teenagers toward each other through communication. Mm-hmm. The goal is that parents, that I could somehow in the pages of these little books convince them that they need to address these hot button issues with their teenagers well before the issues pop up. Mm -hmm. Take an issue like pornography on the internet. Mm -hmm. Parents, we don't want our kids to be exposed to this. We don't even want them to know it exists. Of Mm -hmm. course we don't want them to, but they're going to find out. Mm -hmm. They're going to stumble upon it. A friend is going to expose them in some way. Something's going to happen. So as a parent, I want to be the one to introduce the issue. Mm-hmm. So I can lay the groundwork in a godly way, in a safe way, in a way that's going to highlight the dangers and the damage that can be done through these different issues mm-hmm. rather than have a friend introduce it with pressure and enticement and temptation and, um, you know, lay the foundation with those things. So I, I want the control. And that's what Hot Buttons does. It helps parents walk through these issues in a uh, as a first hit, as as a way to first expose their teachers teenagers or preteens, mm-hmm. tweens to the issues. Mm-hmm. And so do you have um, age appropriate sort of labels on your books that give parents an idea of, oh, how old do does my child have to be before I broach this subject? Yeah. And it's different for each kid. So mm-hmm. it's really a, about, more about watching the clues, the cues your kids are throwing at you rather than a certain age. Same mm-hmm. thing with dating. Do you let your kids date at 16 just because they turn 16 or, you know, these days, 12, my daughter's friends, 12 year old daughter's friends are dating. Parents mm-hmm. are dropping them off at the mall with their boyfriends, yeah. picking them up four hours later, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it's all about the, what the child is 
is ready for and what's happening in their lives. And you can pick up on those cues. The goal is to just get there just a little bit before everyone mm-hmm. else, mm-hmm. before, you know, before the, the world hits with the, mm-hmm. with the issues. So in your, in your books, you, you, you kind of prime the parent. Is it written to both the parent and the teen? No, they're definitely for the parent. Yeah. Uh, what's contained in each book is there are a couple of chapters to outline why we need to take this approach. And then... And Nicole, this- sorry, we're going to have to go on a okay. short break. <laughs> How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. The IRS can and will track your income. Can you? It's time to bulletproof your taxes. Yes, bulletproof your taxes with host Nellie Williams, Fridays at 1 Eastern on the Rockstar Radio Network. As a business owner, you know that tax deductions can lower your tax liability, but deciding which expenses are deductible and how to claim them can be confusing, frustrating, and ultimately costly when you're wrong. Former IRS audit supervisor Nellie Williams will help you learn what is deductible and when to take that deduction to avoid raising IRS red flags. She'll teach you how to survive an IRS audit so you don't have to pay more tax, interest, or penalties. Each week, Nellie will be here to teach us as entrepreneurs and small business owners how to pay our fair share and not a penny more. Check out her website, BulletproofYourTaxes.com. Then join us for Bulletproof Your Taxes with host Nellie Williams, Fridays at 1 Eastern on the Rockstar Radio Network. Are you the kind of parent who just wants their kids to live the life of their dreams? Well, grab your kids and join How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James. It's a lively interview and call-in show, Thursday, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. This dynamic mother and son team are on a mission. They want to empower kids to dream big and go after those dreams with gusto. They want to fill the world with kid entrepreneurs. Are your kids ready for success? Don't miss their fun annex, lively guests, and discussions. For more on Ann and Jack and their show, check out their website, howtoraisemillionaire.com. Then join the conversation of lively interviews and call-ins, and let's give our kids the tools and encouragements they need to build a future they can bank on, no matter what the economy throws their way. It's How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James. Thursdays, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, Nicole, we were talking about um, the hot button series that you've written and uh, writing and um, the fact that they are definitely written to parents. And um, you were explaining a little bit about um, the format that you were using. Yes, they're written to parents, but I... If there's a teenager who maybe their parents aren't involved or don't want to take, you know, don't want to spend this much time having these communication 
the opportunities. It, it's not that the teenager couldn't read it, but they're guides mm-hmm. for a parent to have these conversations with their kids. Mm-hmm. And those first few chapters outline why we need to take this approach and, and how. And then it goes into the specific issue, like the dating, the, the Hot Buttons Dating Edition mm-hmm. covers the when, where, why, how, and who of mm-hmm. dating and how parents can um, watch for signs that your teenager might be ready or real good cues as to the fact that they aren't ready to date. Mm-hmm. Um, and then each book, each hot, each one in the series has 14 or 15 strategic scenarios, we're calling them, and it guides parents, each one guides parents to take their teenager, walk them through a fictional scenario, gives them a little story, puts them in right in the center of a of an opportunity to make a choice about mm-hmm. a, one of these issues. And then it gives four or five options and mm-hmm. the kid, the tween teen gets to decide right then with mom or dad, what they would do if they were in that situation. And it's a safe way, kind of a fun way for them to test the waters and to explore their own thoughts on what they might do if they were put in, in a situation just like that. And then there are discussion guides that help the parent take it farther in discussion and, and, um, look at the issue a little deeper. And a lot of parents might say, well, my teenager is not going to be honest with me. If I have this conversation with them, you know, they're not going to be honest. And you'd be surprised because this, this came from doing it with my own kids. This is something I just started at the dinner table with them. And it was so effective because they felt like they were safe. They felt like it was fiction and it was fun. And they almost would test me to see how I would react and see what the conversation, you know, what would follow. And it was very interesting to see the way they might respond and, and um, how they'd approach an issue. So it's really eye opening. Mm-hmm. And it also um, gives them something to think about. That's a little bit more concrete than if they didn't have that conversation and they would just, where else are they going to get it from? If they're not going to get it right. from mom and dad, they're going to be getting it from another source that might not probably will not have the same or come from the same place that it's going to come from when it's coming from mom and dad. So definitely. And it helps to prepare them. So if, if they wait until they're in the middle of that peer pressure filled moment to come up with the no and the reason and the right choice, then it's, you know, it's a lot more difficult, but if they've talked about it ahead of time and they've committed and prepared in their heart to do a certain thing, then when the pressure hits, it's a lot easier to pull from that resource because Mm -hmm. it's there. Mm -hmm. And, um, you say, you know, some parents might not have the time or the inclination perhaps to read these books with, with their teens. So how would children and parents, how do they find these books and how, how do they, where, where do they go to kind of have a look and see whether it's something that they would like to invest in? Well, definitely at my website, I'm at NicoleLodell.com or HotButtonSite.com. And I have a column. It's called Hot Buttons. <laughs> Real original, but <laughs> it's called yeah. Hot Buttons. Mm-hmm. And each week I post a new one of these strategic scenarios. Okay. So they can try it out. They don't even have to buy the book. They can try it out for free and see how it works for their family. And each one is just based on a different issue, um, just like the books. You know, we've covered the dating edition 
and then we have the internet edition that tackles things like pornography and predators on the internet and social media and all those things that really relate to a teenager using the computer these days. Mm -hmm. And then there's the sexuality edition that's so different than dating these days because in a lot of cases, the sex comes first before the relationship. Mm -hmm. So it's about, um, you know, all the issues related to sexuality and birth control and, um, uh, pornography and, and things like that, that come Mm -hmm. up on that issue. And then the drug addiction tackles inhalants and over the counter drug use and illegal drug use and addiction and uh, all those things that are really relevant to our high schoolers and even middle school schoolers these days. Mm-hmm. And um, you said that you it started around the dinner table um, chatting to your own um, daughters. Yeah. And, um, so I was I was going to ask you, did you, have you you know sort of used a lot of this material with your with your um, children? Oh, yes. This is where it came from. And ever since I've been writing them, too, I come up with new ones. So I I try it out on my kids. And some of them have come up almost verbatim. They'll Mm -hmm. come home and say, oh, we talked about that. And it totally happened just like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hopefully they'd have done the right thing anyway. But it sure was kind of a reinforcement to say, boy, I'm so glad I sent them out prepared. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that you have no kind of once your child is out of your front door you don't have any way of knowing how they're going to um, react when when some kind of temptation and peer pressure um, is is around you know sort of arises and the only thing you can think is well i i've prepared them i've done as much as i can possibly do they're now in god's hands and it's up to them you know to make the choice and if it's if they make the wrong choice then you're there. You're there for them, you know, to kind of help them work through it, not rescue them. You wrote somewhere, don't rescue, but help, help them. It's good. You know, they've got to, you've got to, you know, experience that, that failure. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And once they do, like you said, you know, this is all a process. It's a journey they're Mm -hmm. on and we're on. And our goal is to just continue to point them toward the right choices and um, have the end goal in mind. And too many times parents, they just want to get through. And I, I talk about this a lot on my programs. We're not just trying to power through the teen years and just, you know, put our heads down and get through. We've got to really use these years as an opportunity to train our kids because this is when they decide when, you know, this is the foundation they're laying for their career and their family and their parenting and it goes on for generations the effects that come from these teen years mm-hmm. um so you start some of these uh, you talk about preteens, and um i think you know sort of the the younger the 11 12 13s yeah. are easier to um to talk to and you can have these really wonderful conversations with your children you can talk about um god and you can bring the bible into them as they get older, something seems to happen. You know, 15, 16, 17, all of a sudden, you bring some of these, the, you know, you bring God into the conversation. They go, oh, you know, stop doing that, you know. And I think to myself, I need to remember not to do that all the time, not to be constantly quoting the Bible because I'm not getting to them <laughs> that way. I have to find another way to get to them, you know, sort of even if it's texting. I have to find something on their level that I can get my message across to without irritating them so what does happen because it's not always bad this this change as they get to be older teens but something definitely happens 
Oh, yeah. Well, there's, it's with girls, you know, we've got a hormonal thing going on and mom and moms and daughters get into this, um, you know, this, it's almost like a battle going on of, of womanhood and that is physiological. And then there's just that, that desire to test and grow and, and burst through the, boundaries that a lot of teenagers experience and parents, you know, if we, and I've, I've seen this in my own kids and I've seen it in other families, this comes from research, but if we just don't let there be a break in the communication, don't let them slip away too often. I think what happens is we let go of the, you know, we lighten up on the curfew and we lighten up on, on what they're allowed to do and we let them expose, get exposed to more people and spend more time with friends. So it's a natural thing then that that's where they're going to turn. So we really need to make sure that even though they're getting older and yes, they deserve more responsibility and more freedoms in, in different ways, but having the grounding communications that keep them coming back, keep their focus turned toward home and toward you know, keep their hearts where it's supposed to be. If you keep having those conversations on a daily basis and reminding them of why, um, why the family goals are important and why boundaries are there and why you love them and why God loves them and, and all of those things that are important, then it, it keeps it forefront of their minds. But once you lighten up on that and let them out, you know, I'm, and I'm talking in a proverbial sense that once you let them go, it's really difficult to pull them back. Mm-hmm. And um, on that, I was going to ask you, how do you make your home um, a place that your teenagers want to bring their friends? <laughs> that, you know, that, that sometimes is, is difficult because obviously they can't use their bedroom as an entertainment right. ground for, you know, sort of opposite sex friends. And so the living room is there and we never had a den and we used to think, oh gosh, now what do we do? How do we do this? Yep. How do we make it comfortable for my children to bring their, ch- their friends home? That's a great question because it's a fabulous goal to make your home a place that that your kids want to be and their friends want to be because you can impact lives that way. And moms and dads, it it looks, it comes down to sacrifice. We have to number one, sacrifice the snack food. It's gone. Forget it. If you're going to have a bunch of teenagers in your house, shop at Aldi, shop at Walmart, buy a bunch of generic snacks and just figure they're gone. It's okay. Um, Be open and free with your house let you know a, a revolving door is one thing you you want respect on your time but make sure that your kids and their friends feel comfortable coming into your home mm-hmm. um and then i mentioned sacrifice yeah maybe you'd prefer mom or dad maybe you'd prefer to hang out in your family room and use the big tv and you know have your privacy but that sacrifice means you relinquish that room for the, you know, for Friday evenings or whatever it might be. My family, when we had a pool and every Sunday night after church, we had church on Sunday night. Um, we, the whole youth group would come over to my house and swim in the pool and my parents would provide hot dogs and cans of pop. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this was an every Sunday night activity in the summer and they counted on it. The neighbors knew it was going to happen and we had a blast Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it, it was, it was fabulous. One of my favorite memories of being a teen. Well, Nicole, we have to go on another really short break, but I want you to come back just for a few minutes. I have one more question for you and then we'll remind people where they can go to find you. Great. Thanks. 
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Get the competitive edge and take your success to the next level with the Gold Medal Success Show and your host, Forrest Fisher, six-time U.S. National Gold Medalist. Tune in every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Central, 6 Pacific, here on the Rockstar Radio Network as Forrest gives you access into the mindset of true champions and helps you apply these success principles to your life and business for immediate results. Each show will feature guest athletes and business experts who have achieved tremendous success and are ready to share their stories of struggle, glory, tragedy, and triumph, revealing tips and strategies Forrest and these guest experts use to propel themselves to world-class success. Many people live their whole lives wanting more. The Gold Medal Success Show will demonstrate that anyone can have a more fulfilling and satisfying life when they put a few basic principles into play. Make every day game day with the Gold Medal Success Show each Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Connect with Juliana and connect with what lies beneath. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Juliana is certified as a life coach who wants people to connect. Connect with what lies beneath, those truths and answers. And through her counseling practice, she has helped others find their personal power and fulfill their dreams. And she wants to do the same for you here on Connect with Juliana. Through intimate discussions, intriguing subject matters, and the expertise of her guests. For more on Juliana and her show, check out her website, connectwithjuliana.com. Juliana will cover it all. Nothing is off limits. She wants to know what matters to you. Make the connection. Tune in to Toginet to connect with Juliana to find out the facts that could be hidden beneath the surface. Connect with Juliana on Toginet to make a quality connection in your life. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. I mentioned at the very beginning that you were um, a mum to triplet, triplet toddlers. Yeah. And I was just, I just wanted to ask you how old your triplets were. <laughs> they just turned four last week. Four. Okay. And, you know, all of us, you know, find it difficult having a baby, a brand new baby without having three. How did you manage that? Oh, there, we could have a whole show on that. I'm sure. It was um, it was a surreal time of barely getting by on no sleep and just powered by the Holy Spirit, let me tell you. <laughs> because you had two other children there at home, well, three other children three there at other. home with you, all young, right? I mean, you know. They- well, the, my oldest, um, he's 20 now, so he was 16, and then my daughter was 10 and the other was 8. So yeah. they were old enough to do some helping, but they were in school too, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what did you have? Boys, girls? I had two girls and a boy. The triplets are two girls and a boy, yeah. And are the girls identical twins? Nope. 
No. They're all they're all fraternal. Mm. Yeah, and they're just as sweet as can be and they are just as different as can be. They are just as if you picked three random kids out of a classroom. That's how different they are. <laughs> well, that's absolutely fantastic. And Nicole, you write lots and um you are a great advocate for teens and preteens and parents Thank and um you'll tell your um you've got an online chat that you're going to have a live online chat on October the 16th, I believe. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. We're just launching the Hot Buttons books, and I don't have uh, – it's being run by a by a publicity campaign, so I don't have any of the information yet. It's just on October 16th, we're doing something fun. That's all I know. And there's going to be some great giveaways, and the, if you follow on NicoleOdell.com or follow me on Twitter at Nicole underscore Odell, I'll keep you posted and make sure everybody gets invited, and you can uh, um, also find me on Facebook at Nicole Odell. Yeah. All right, Nicole. Well, thank you so much. I've been talking to Nicole O'Dell. She is the author of 10 YA novels, including the popular scenarios for girls interactive fiction series and the Diamond Estate series. Her nonfiction for teens includes Girl Talk, which she wrote with her two daughters based on their popular blog column by the same name. And she's got hundreds of contributions to several devotional books. Today, we talked about her new series, Hot Buttons, which you can find on her website, NicoleO'Dell.com. We talked about dating, internet activity, sexuality, and drugs. And listen to her weekly shows just before me here on Toginet, brought to you by Choose Now Radio. <clears throat> There's Parent Talk Radio at 10 o'clock Eastern and Teen Talk Radio at 11 o'clock Eastern. Nicole, thank you so much for joining me this morning and sharing Hot Buttons with us. And you have a wonderful Labor Day weekend. Oh, thank you. You too. Appreciate it. All right. Bye. Bye. Well, a few weeks ago, I had a guest join me to talk about her company, secretdrugtest.com. And on her site, Jennifer Foster discusses facts about drug use in school, long-term effects, and how to prepare your child to discuss drugs in a non-threatening way. Her product, The Secret Drug Test, enables parents who suspect drug use in their children to secretly test surfaces for indisputable proof. The tests, which can be bought online, allow parents the peace of mind they need when they can get their questions answered without any confrontation. Jennifer includes step-by-step techniques of how to talk to your child frankly and with confidence because with the test you know the truth. As parents, it's our duty to keep our children safe from life-threatening addiction. Peers and other adults may pass off drug experimentation as normal behavior, something everyone's doing, a path to adulthood, but no matter what anyone says, taking a drug once is experimentation, taking it twice becomes using. Shortly after our interview in July, I came across a newspaper article in an English rag called The Independent, one of those free papers that are made available for pickup in the mornings and evenings on train stations and bus depots in London. The article talked about the rising concern of legal highs and how a lucrative business in, in untested chemical drugs is gaining a foothold on the grey market, which is unregulated and easily accessed by our children on their computers in their bedrooms, in our homes. These drugs, unfortunately sold with the trendy retail-friendly prefix designer, appeal to young people. They arrive in our mailboxes, attractively packaged and labelled as bath salts or plant food, and marked not for human consumption to avoid being controlled by the British Medicines Act. Manufacturers of these legal highs pay close attention to how the carbon, oxygen and hydrogen atoms are linked, if you remember from your chemical days. 
The difference between a legal high and an illegal one is often a hydrogen atom here or a carbon atom there. Over recent years, there's been an explosion of compounds which mimic the effects of popular drugs such as cocaine, ecstasy and cannabis, but are chemically different enough to avoid falling into the illegal category. Chemical compounds are essentially legal until they're banned, meaning the government has to be reactive once the chemicals hit the streets. According to the European Monitoring Centre for Drugs and Drug Addiction, the number of online shops offering at least one psychoactive substance or product rose from 314 in January 2011 to 690 in January 2012. Labs in countries that less have less strict laws on manufacturing chemicals are churning these out at a rate of knots. One example that caught media headlines two years ago was methadone, a chemical with similar properties to ecstasy, which was shipped primarily from labs in China and marketed as plant food. The government banned it, but replacements quickly filled the gap in the market. So Dr. John Ramsey, a toxicologist at St. George's Medical School in London, said, There are 50 new compounds emerging each year. There were 49 in 2011 and 29 already this year. It's clearly not right that young people should be able to buy and use recreational drugs that have never been tested. The appeal of legal highs is based on their price, availability and effectiveness. And Ramsey continues... Controlling this market by restricting supply is pretty much doomed to failure. The only way is to reduce demand. We need to persuade our young people that taking these drugs is a stupid thing to do. Folk like my guest today, Nicole O'Dell, and her Hot Button series, and Jennifer Foster's site, secretdrugtest.com, will give you invaluable tools to help you talk to your child about the folly of drug use. There's nothing prestigious about designer drugs. They can kill or severely damage our children's health. And we as parents need to take a serious interest in the threat. Keep your computer in a public place. Don't allow them in the bedrooms and know who your children's friends are. Being homeschoolers doesn't mean we're immune to what's happening in the world. Take this new threat seriously. Okay, we can leave that heavy topic um, on the... uh, back burner for now and um, I've not had any news remember my flat fell through the sale of my flat fell through in London so I've not had any news um, on that front and I fear that while the cat's away the mouse will play um, I feel feet are dragging not that I was able to stir up any interest myself but it did seem there were more showings while I was in residence and especially as we passed the agent's office every time we went to the high street and you know how often Hubs and I walk down to the high street. All I can do is trust that someone up there knows what's going on. And I have a little bit of news from a couple of digital age rookies. We managed to get all the music we downloaded from our father's or my father's CD collection off iTunes onto our iPods. That was quite impressive for a couple of electronic morons. We found a nifty little contraption called a Timex radio clock with a speaker that we can plug into and voila, music in our kitchen. Remember though, even though our computers are laptops, we still haven't got used to the idea of carting them around with us. iPods are lighter and much more portable. Our house here is quiet but not nearly as quiet as our little abode in London. Let me give you an example. While doing yoga in the mornings in Beckenham, I was worried that a group 
om at the beginning of some classes would disturb my neighbours. I thought they were loud and I saw I would turn my computer volume down. The same yoga class in my office space here in Garland has me straining to hear anything the instructor is saying, let alone worry about the volume of the oms. There's so much white noise around here. If traffic on the nearby toll road can be considered white noise, it's a constant hum. Then the pool pump and the expanding and creaking of the roof and walls in the conservatory where I've set up home, not to mention squirrels dashing off the roof and into the trees and then chasing around the foliage, making swishing sounds. Then there's the wind in the branches, and when leaves fall on the roof, well, talk about thunderous. And let's not mention the rain when it starts to rain. If you ask me, I'd say our house is quiet until the air conditioner comes on and the fans start whirring to add to the cacophony. The flat in Beckenham was positively a hermitage by comparison. And last week after my show, I was dashing off to the zoo and we did go. And we stopped at Starbucks to pick up my daughter and I was comped a triple filtered water to keep me hydrated in the outdoors. Mm-hmm, pure water. And um, once at the zoo, we were given a tour backstage of the birds in the show by our zookeeper son's girlfriend. I was impressed at how spotlessly clean and odorless the facility was. The five staff do an excellent job at keeping that hundred birds happy. We met all kinds of exotics both before and after the show. Lindsay, our son's girlfriend, had trained them all, many from babies, and some of them were really funny when they heard her voice. One parrot in particular fluffed up its sleek little feathers and hung its head to resemble being a chick again. And when she walked away from the cage, he went back to his young adult stance. Remind you of anyone, mums? We saw African fish eagles, a bald headed eagle don't take any of these feathers home because taking them home is strictly illegal there were rare palm cockatoos hadaba ibis red-tailed hawks owls weighing about three and a half pounds and looking enormous too big to fly let alone do it soundlessly which they do a photo shoot with the birds afterwards had the owl turning its head 180 degrees to face away from the camera. We saw toucans close up, hawks on their jessies, hornbills and ravens. And a parrot sang Old MacDonald had a farm into a mic. It was so funny. And there are some non-flying members of the show, including a trainer named Marco, who I couldn't resist introducing myself to as Polo. Ah, my English humour. Then there was the audience member who fell into the pool just before a six-foot American alligator started swimming around. Ooh, was it lunchbox or samurai? And ooh, I have to finish. I have to finish. My show's ended. I don't believe an hour has already passed. Anyway, um, it's a holiday on Monday and we're having family over. I wonder who will come. Well, there's food, so they'll probably all come. Maybe I'll get some sunbathing in. That's a habit I lost while in rainy, in rainy England. Better for my skin. And I hope you've had fun this hour and have a safe Labor Day weekend. I'll be here, same time, same place next week on Toginet. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children, who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, and my guest, Nicole O'Dell. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian.